Welcome to Bright Perspective. I'm Karina Wingle, and today I'm joined by EJ Luera, co-founder and COO at Feature. EJ is here today to talk with us about how to create a consistent customer experience in every touchpoint, from the warehouse to the store. Welcome, EJ. Thanks for joining today. Hey, thanks for having me. So let's dive into it. EJ, what are some of the ways you create brand experiences for customers from a store level at Feature? You know, Karina, what we've learned, uh, I guess recently, you know, we've been doing this for 10 years now, but just in the last probably six or seven years, we've realized that customers want more bang for their buck, right? They can shop on Amazon, they can shop online. Uh, so that journey to the store isn't always necessary anymore. And so you have to give them more value. You have to make them want to leave their house to come shop with you, right? And so, you know, this it's not enough to just open the store and have a great product. You have to basically build an experience. And so what we've done with our stores is we've always tried to have some sort of wow factor, have some added value. You know, we pump a really nice scent into the air when you walk in. So it smells nice. And every store has that same scent. Um, you know, we want that to be synonymous with feature. We actually make product that smells like that. So you can take it home with you. You know, people come in and say, oh, it smells so good in here. Um, so we offer like candles and room spray uh, just so that you're still connected to that customer, uh, even at their house. You know, we, we built our sneaker tunnel, which is, is kind of a focal point for all of our stores. Um, you know, some people I've used this term before, people call it the, the tunnel of love, right? If you're a sneakerhead <laughs> and you love shoes, this is your tunnel of love, right? And that's our Instagrammable moment. Uh, even the dressing rooms, you know, we put a lot of thought into those. Uh, cool wallpaper, hidden doors, uh, really brightly lit, you know, mirror, infinity mirrors, things like that. Um, so it does create an experience, a well-rounded experience that goes along with you know, our well-curated uh, product offering. And you have to do that. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I remember um, in visiting your stores there, it was it was just such a cool environment that you had built. Um, and even from the scent, I think I had a, a car scent thing I brought home and I was like, oh, this is how the store <laughs> smells. And it was it was great. It was lovely. Um, there was one thing in the, the wind store, I remember it was a, a picture that, or a an art piece that you guys had made with the shoes. Um, and if you want to tell that story, I remember that was really, really neat. I think really heartfelt with getting to the, the core of like a culture almost. Sure, of course. So, you know, we, we the three pillars for us are fashion, music, and art, right? And we, and we try to live by that. Uh, my background is actually music. You know, I was a DJ. My partner was a DJ. Um, and, and we just, you know, we love art. We love all things good, right? And we'll probably talk more about that later. But uh, we did try to inject art into all of our spaces. And if you follow our social media and even online, um, you know, that those three elements are, are, we try to say they're well represented, you know? Um, so that art piece you're speaking of was interesting. It was an artist by Phil America, who was kind of a conceptual artist. He's done a lot of really cool things, a lot of like philanthropy, um, awareness, political awareness type things. Uh, so what he did for us, though, was he built this art piece out of cut up shoes that were supplied from past employees, current employees, friends and family, you know, just people who have supported us since the beginning. And, um, and he created the art piece that we hung at the wind. 
Uh, it has a cool caption that says, um, it's going to be a long walk, which is, you know, an homage to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and also kind of plays off the distance between the win and our, and our Chinatown location in Las Vegas. It's going to be a long walk, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and then he built another art piece for us at the Spring Mountain store as well in Chinatown. So we have uh, another custom piece from an artist named um, Denver Miller, and he's part of the Broken Record Art Collective. And he did a David Bowie piece for us there at the Wynn as well, made out of vinyl records. Again, oh, music, yeah. fashion, and art. Yeah, so, um, and you know, and, and that's really, it's, it's important for us to have those elements, you know, the, the music in the background, the art on the walls, and obviously the fashion uh, on the racks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It brings in all, all the elements, I think, of what encompasses the feature brand. And I think that's super important as, as you're talking about creating that experience in store and getting people off their computers and out of their houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we can't talk about customer experience without talking about the buying process. Um, you know, obviously it's such a key part of how a customer will evaluate your brand, even if that's online and they're kind of perusing your website. So what does feature do to connect with customers during the, pro the process? Well, I mean, if you start with our digital marketing team who are, they're just assassins, by the way, they're so good at what they do. Um, but Part of their role is to find different ways to connect with customers and then to keep them engaged with us. Um, and, you know, when you talk about the checkout process or the buying process, recently there's, a, there's been a lot of movement in the buy now, pay later platforms, right? We obviously, you know, try to utilize all of those types of platforms because that's what your customers are into, right? That's what millennials are doing right now, right? Um, but not just that. We also open up all of our payment platforms or gate, payment gateways, uh, always looking for innovative ways to, to basically meet the customer where they're at, right? Their spending habits, their buying habits, what makes them comfortable. Um, and so it's really fluid for us. We're never locked in or married to, to one type of uh, process. Some of the other things though that we've done uh, that we've rolled out recently is like, for instance, a get it by date, right? And people might've seen that before on a platform like Amazon, but I don't see a ton of our competitors using this type of uh, philosophy, right? And so customer can get on our site, they can see, uh, you know, if they purchase it now, how soon they can get it. At the checkout, they have all sorts of shipping options, right? They can upgrade their shipping, they can go with economy shipping. Um, so we give them all those options and it just basically, you know, to coincide with the, the way that they want it delivered to them. Yeah, and I think that's so important in the, the world we live in right now, where everyone wants it as, as fast as possible. And I, I think there's people that are happy to wait, but there's also the factor of when you get to check out sometimes and you're like, oh, my item's not going to come for three months. And unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of us are seeing at the moment, um, that's never fun getting through all the, the whole checkout process of so seeing that upfront, I think is really um, a really cool feature to have and to, to provide a better experience. Yeah. So demand lives everywhere, right? In store, on the website, across social media, being able to influence and capture more of those opportunities and affordably is a big challenge for so many retailers right now trying to unite their brand experience. What are some ways that feature has been able to overcome this? You know, it's 
you may not want to hear this, but you never will overcome that, right? You'll never overcome it. But what you do is you constantly adapt and improve. And so it's a constant, I don't want to use the word struggle, right? But it's just the nature of business, right? People change, platforms change, algorithms change. So you have to be on top of those changes at every moment, right? And you can never just rest on your laurels that, oh, we're killing the game right now and, and it, it's all good. So I think knowing that you have to adapt, making sure that your team is, you know, fluid with change, fluid with adapting, you know, customer mentality changing always, right? Um, and as long as you're on top of that, I think that you can succeed. And just knowing that, right? People fear change all the time. Um, but it, as long as your organization has is okay with a change mindset, no one's going to love it. But as long as they're okay with it, that's really how you can thrive. But I don't think that you'll ever overcome it, ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I guess that comes, yeah, with the changing market. And I guess, how do you guys... Uh, approach those changes and the need to adapt in an ever-changing market. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you have strong people on your team, strong leaders that are used to adapting, are comfortable with change, um, and then they just portray that down to their teams, right? Because the, the biggest fear is like, oh, what are we going to do now? Or, or we're sunk, right? We're on fire. And it's never that, right? It's just natural progression in business. So, my next question, I guess, is how, how do you leverage the supply chain to enable a better customer experience? You know, we learned a lot of these things the hard way um, early on in our, in our uh, retail career. Um, what we've done is we bought better. Now we bought smarter. We've forged really strong relationships with our vendors. Um, in fact, you know, during, during quarantine, we, because we had been so heavily invested in our supply chain and so heavily invested in digital, uh, our digital presence, we were actually able to stay operational, keep everybody working, um, and take, take off some of the pressure of our vendors having extra inventory that they couldn't get rid of because some of their accounts, you know, who were only brick and mortar, couldn't take that inventory. And so that really positioned us to be a good partner uh, with vendors. And, you know, I guess a byproduct of that, that's in our favor was that now we are a priority to some of those vendors. Um, but the main thing is diversifying your supply chain, right? You can't be so stuck in one supplier or, you know, one country that's supplying 90% of your goods. That's just a, a recipe for disaster. So, you know, we've gone out, especially with our private label, have gone out. We, we have some production here in the States, some production overseas in different countries. And so I don't think that we will ever be just reliant on, uh, on one channel, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of businesses, unfortunately, learned that the hard way during the pandemic. And um, that's great to hear that feature um, didn't have that issue and was able to kind of shift. And I think, I think the importance is having that, that flexibility in your supply chain and being able to switch to, to do so. So related to the customer experience, there's a lot of data that we get nowadays and all types of systems that we use. So when looking at improving the customer experience, what types of data do you, do you look at for that? You know, the biggest thing for us is, is trying to discover what's important to the customer. And, and like I had just said, 
you know, previously, that's always changing. And so, you know, as the trends change, as payment platforms changes, as social media platforms change, uh, we just have to be, you know, obviously willing to change with them or adapt, but knowing what's important to the customer is really the, at the heart of that, right? Like most of our customers are on Instagram, but when we first opened, they were on Facebook, you know, TikTok's a huge platform now, right? And we're just starting to get our feet wet with that. Discord now is in the mix, right? And some of your listeners might not even know what Discord is. I, I just don't learned even know about what that couple, is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I just learned about it a couple months ago and now we have a Discord channel. So, you know, really meeting your customers where they're at is is important, but you have to understand, you know, what's important to them. Yeah, for sure. And I think you guys have done a really great job in building a community with the in-store experience you have with obviously the communication on your website and community is what creates loyal customers and a brand. So how would you say that, how do you build community with your brand? What's interesting about building community is that if you do it right, you don't really even know that it's happening. And, and that just comes down to authenticity, right? So when we first opened Feature, the idea was that it was going to kind of have this um, barbershop vibe, right? Just like an old school barbershop. You just come in and you just talk, you know, you're just talking about sports or politics. And in this case, you're talking about sneakers and fashion and music, right? And so we used to see so many customers that came in just to talk. They weren't even necessarily there to shop um, because it's a shared interest. And you know, what we've noticed from kind of those interactions is, is, and that's where we came up with the mantra, all things good, right? Because you could come into a store and you're just talking about everything that you're talking about are good things. It's, you know, Tupac versus Biggie and, you know, Jordan's highs versus mids. And, you know, I mean, there's people are just talking, but everything they're talking about is good, right? Or has some relevance or I, I call it goodness, right? And, and it makes it worthwhile. And so we didn't know that we were building that community. We were just talking about things that we like to talk about and having fun. Um, and those kind of like escalated into real events where we were, you know, we'd put a DJ under the stairs and we'd have a food truck outside. And, and the idea was never that we were just trying to get people to the store to shop. It was to hang out with your friends, right? And, and, and supply a service. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to bring that over to the digital side as well, right? We still wanted people to have those experiences, you know, whether it's through our social media channels, through it's our curated, you know, uh, matrix, brand matrix on our website. We just wanted everyone to see, you know, it was felt it was cool, felt it was high end, felt like they're part of that community. Uh, a lot of the things that we're doing now are just really based around inclusion. Uh, one of the knocks you'll hear a lot of times with boutiques similar to ours is that it feels very exclusive and not exclusive in, this, in the sense of, oh, we have exclusive product, but rather exclusive, like you can't have this. And we've always preached the opposite, right? We'll, we'll greet you when you come in the store. We'll help you pick out a gift for, you know, a family member or whatever. And, um, and now you'll see that with some of the initiatives we're doing 
uh, we're doing a music, fashion, and art scholarships, right? We gave out three scholarships, one for music, one for fashion, one for art. Uh, we try to get involved in underrepresented communities. Uh, all of those scholarships are actually for people of color. And um, every, every one of our, the brands that we partner with, you know, community is very important to them as well. And so we don't do it because it's important to them, but we are like-minded in that we have the same goal is, is uplifting people and, and creating an inclusive experience uh, for our customers. And what an amazing way to embrace that community that you've built and give back to it. I think personally, the most authentic brands are those that stand behind what they believe in and find a way to, to give back to that community that has built them up. So that's really awesome for feature and the work that you guys are doing in the community. I think today, you know, shoppers expect a consistent customer experience, whether they interact with your brand in person or online. And that includes, you know, marketing your brand, managing your stock strategically so that customers don't see a difference um, between the warehouse or the store. So how does Feature do this? You, you know, in the beginning, when we first opened, we were not omni-channel, obviously, right? We had one little brick and mortar store, um, very entry level brands, entry level owners. <laughs> I mean, we just, we didn't know anything. Um, and so being that we were so new in a pretty bad location at that time, uh, not a ton of traffic, we knew that we had to look to other revenue streams in order to keep the business going. Um, and so, you know, we started selling on eBay and this was just in the very beginning. Obviously we're not on that channel anymore, but eBay really helped us stay afloat in those early years. And what we were doing at that time was you were literally selling things on eBay and then going into your point of sale system and deducting that inventory. So you would if, you know, export a report from eBay and match those SKUs to Lightspeed was the POS system at that time and, and just manually remove those units so that you didn't sell them in store. And then vice versa, right? If you sold something in store, uh, you would go into eBay and you would decrement those units uh, so that you didn't oversell them. And obviously, you know, early on, we didn't really know much about technology. We didn't know what we didn't know. And so once the volume really picked up on both levels, eBay and in the store, we saw that that manual process was just, number one is so tedious. And then number two was broken, right? If you miss something and, and just like we were talking about earlier, something is out of stock and you can't fulfill it for your online customer. And, you know, technically eBay customers weren't our customers, so it didn't really put the brand in a bad light, so to say, but there's still that kind of friction, right? And, and then vice versa in store. And so when we went out looking for some technology to account for this, uh, we started at, at some, you know, entry-level apps that could basically manage your inventory in real time. And that was the only thing we were looking for in these apps is just to remove a unit from here when you sold it over here. That's it. And um, the systems did so much more than that, but that's all we needed. And so that's where we stopped asking the questions. As we grew, we opened more stores. We launched our e-commerce channel. Uh, we started doing really well on there. We got off of eBay. So that took care of that issue. But 
we were still seeing similar issues and 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 the entry level i guess you would call them wms systems which we didn't know that's what they were called at the time <laughs> they couldn't keep up with our volume right and and so when you start exploring new technologies and you really start asking the questions like you know, or I guess the questions come from the sales pitches. Well, that's all you're using it for, but it can do so much more. Um, you know, you go in with a little bit of skepticism, but then once you start to see what a warehouse management system can actually do for you, uh, it just opens up all these other possibilities about technology. And there's a big jump point, a lot of time that passed between our first WMS and to where we're at with the POSCO now. And, you know, I don't know if you have enough time to go into these things and we can talk about that journey if that's something you want to hear about. Yeah, I think I think we should dive into that. I think that's something a lot of people listening to this um, are either experiencing now or are about to experience and starting their brand. And um, let's let's dive into that. Sure. So, you know, our very first, well, let's let's take a step back. We used to ship from our brick and mortar location in the beginning when we were fulfilling eBay orders. So on any given day, you could come into the feature and see a hundred packages on the sales floor under a shelf because we had nowhere, nowhere else to put them. And that's where the postman picked them up from. And uh, after a while, we said, this isn't a good look. Like people walk into the store and they just see a bunch of outgoing boxes on the sales floor. It's just not a good look. So like that's we rented a little one. It's here. Yeah. I want it. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, we moved into a little 1,000 square foot warehouse space and we built some racks and we put the product in there that we were fulfilling for eBay. And uh, we didn't even know what locations meant, right? And for, for the listeners out there who might not know what locations mean, is it just means that you assign a location so that you can locate a product when you need it and your system tells you exactly where it's at. So, you know, we're walking around the warehouse looking, you know, on these little tiny boxes and trying to match SKUs to orders. And, you know, the picking process uh, would take us hours and I was so inefficient, right? But again, you don't know what you don't know. Um, so, you know, the first WMS that we, we took in said, yeah, we can keep your inventory straight across different systems, but you know, you can also add locations to your products. We're like, oh, okay, light bulb, light bulb moment. And so little by little, obviously we increased our volume. Like I mentioned, we got off eBay, but we started selling online. We, we grew into a bigger warehouse, 4,000 square feet now. First thing we did was build locations into those, um, into the, into the warehouse, but still using a lot of manual type processes, right? Our shipping software at that time, our WMS didn't handle shipping. It was very entry level, like I said. Um, so we were using a separate system to ship. Every morning we'd come in and we'd print a hard copy list of things you had to pick. And luckily it had the locations on them and a little picture, you know, and then you'd bring those back and then someone would manually type in the order number and manually ship this product and print a label. I mean, just very tedious and, and very manual. And so once you start shipping 400, 500 orders a day, you say there's got to be a better way. And then you start vetting new systems. What can you system? Can we get an all-encompassing WMS that has locations, that has transfer orders, which we had never used before, purchase orders, and, um, and obviously a shipping platform. And so, you know, you dive deep into these, these systems and the entry-level ones, 
they cost entry level, right? But sometimes I think a lot of business owners are scared to make that next jump to a real enterprise type system because, you know, it, it can be scary to say, hey, I'm going to invest uh, real money into, into a system. And they go in with some skepticism as well. But um, what we noticed with our current system, which is, you know, DePosco, right? No surprise there. <laughs> um, but it has been a game changer for us. The customizations we've done with DePosco, uh, you know, when you talk about skepticism, right? And, and this is for, for your listeners who are starting this journey uh, with DePosco is you get with the sales team and, you know, they're talking about the bells and whistles and the design process. And to me, with all the WMS systems we had used prior, there was no design process, right? It was out of the box. Everything was built in. And so that's where that skepticism comes from. It's like, well, oh, you're going to quote unquote design me a system that, you know, I just, I, I'm not buying it, right? And so, uh, but once you actually get into it and you, and you see what the customizations look like, the automation, that every business is different, right? Things that are important to some one business might not be as important to our business. And so uh, that design process is real. The customization is real. And uh, it's been the biggest game changer for us. And that's an amazing story to hear, EJ. I think a lot of business owners can can relate to that, either going through that now or, you know, having just gone through that. And I know um, our team at DePosco loves working with Feature and continuing to make those improvements as you guys keep growing. Um, one thing I do want to ask, so we do, I know you mentioned the customizations. Can we dive a little bit more into that and how you use that to look at your inventory and store? Sure, totally. Um, it's interesting because, you know, at Feature, we, we try to preach operational excellence, right? And if you visit any other retail locations, not ours, like other retailers, um, it seems like that's not always their main focus. And, and it's tough a lot of times on our employees too, because we demand so much more, right? It's not a, you don't just get to stand around and look at your phone when there's no customers in the store. Um, but what they're really good at is identifying pain points in different areas, right? Whether it's at the warehouse or at the brick and mortar. And then what we do is we try to address those pain points uh, with technology or beat those pain points with technology. And so some of the things like, I'll give you an example of a pain point that we have at the brick and mortar location is, you know, you get product, product moves so fast, right? And people buy something that's on display. What we've done is we've created display locations in DePosco and in the store, obviously. And then we had DePosco build us a daily report that a sales associate can pull at any time. It will tell you, you know, hey, you sold this product off display, you need to replace it. And a lot of those guys, they're good at doing that in the moment, but if it's really busy, sometimes they forget. So this is a safety net that we've created, right? And, and I, I won't uh, say which store, you know, I'm not gonna put those guys on blast, but we did have one situation where there was, you know, probably like 40 or 50 units that weren't on display that just got away from us, right? And this report that DePosco built for us, or this dashboard, I should say, um, is one of those, ways that we attack a, a pain point. Um, having that visibility on inventory, just in general, you know, we get a lot of customers who will come into one store, they want a product, we don't have it, but it's available at another store. 
So we can we can totally check them out at that process. The associate can confirm that that inventory lives either at our warehouse or at another location. We can get that shipped to a customer. We can let them purchase it in store and then transfer it over to that store, um, all using technology, right? And, and so that, that's another way that uh, we're able to facilitate for the customer, you know, regardless of where the inventory is at. Awesome. I think that's, that's something a lot of people expect. I would assume also, especially with, with luxury brands, they expect that instantaneous, like, where is it? How can I get it? I'm in here to purchase this item. So. Well, you know, what's interesting about that, Karina. So we had, uh, we actually had this other customization done. So this is between our uh, developers that we use for our, our Shopify account and in conjunction with the POSCO's API system. Um, so if you're shopping, like say you come to Las Vegas to visit and you're on our website and you see, you know, a specific shoe you like in a specific size, what we were able to do is use the API from DePosco to match to the product that's in our Shopify system. And it will actually show the customer on the front end of the website exactly which location is holding that product. And so you know, they may be staying on the strip and they say, oh, that shoe is at the wind. So I can go to the wind and buy that, you know, it's there. Or it's not showing anywhere. It's only showing on our online store so they could order it and just have it shipped to them. And so that's, you know, that's a partnership. That's a collaboration that we were able to pull off. Um, and it gives visibility, just like you were saying, and consistent store experience versus online. Yeah, yeah. And being able to to know when you get there, oh, I know this shoe's only online or because people might come in then being like, hey, you have this. Why? Where is it? But being able to show that just like your expected ship date, I think that's it just adds more to the customer. The more the customer can know, I guess, the better um, without the, the middle stuff, I guess. <laughs> there was a, an unexpected um I guess bonus to that uh, customization was that, so have you ever had that experience? Like if you go into a, a store and, and you're like, oh, do you have this in an eight? Do you have this? No, I don't have that. Sorry. Oh, we don't have this. We don't have, and you're just striking out left and right. What the sales associates can actually do because, because of the way that the website's built and with that, um, that API connection, the salesperson can actually use the website as a tool. So they can say, okay, you're looking for footwear. So they can filter by footwear and you're looking for a size eight. So they can filter by size eight and you're at my spring mountain store in Chinatown in Las Vegas. So they can filter by Chinatown and then boom, that will show you a catalog of everything that's in that store in your size. And so it's just a, a tool that a sales associate can use. That's nice. Yeah. Especially I am a shoe lover myself and the most tragic thing is falling in love with a pair of shoes that you cannot find your size in. So <laughs> I think other shoe lovers will appreciate that as well. Um, yeah. in the future. So, so the bill from store is more and more common as we look for omni-channel experiences with customers. What benefit does feature see from doing this out of some of their stores? You know, our ability to fulfill from the store is, is actually kind of out of a necessity right now. Uh, we're in the, I guess, the beginning phases of that journey, like in the discovery phase, right, where we're seeing what's actually possible to be able to fulfill from store. Uh, we were doing it because our stores share inventory. That's really the main function of us 
we didn't want an online customer to not have access to a specific product just because it was in one store or only lived it in one location and vice versa, our in-store customers, just because there's a product that's located somewhere else, they wouldn't have access to it. And so our ability to fulfill from those stores opens you up to be able to share inventory across every platform. Uh, what's interesting for us is, you know, when we're talking about fulfilling orders, our stores kind of have this pecking order, right? Because Spring Mountain is the most accessible store, we steal from them first because we can replenish them faster. And then the win, because it's also in Las Vegas, is easier to replenish than Calabasas in California. And so that's become kind of the pecking order. But now as we're scaling and growing, you know, to your point, it's not going to be about which one's the easiest to replenish. You start thinking about efficiency and cost savings and treating them like a little mini uh, DC, right? Where you can capitalize on cheaper postage because you're closer to the customer. Uh, we're, we're getting smarter about how we're buying. We'll start buying for stores specifically. And although we'll still share the inventory and having visibility on all that inventory is important, each store will be, you know, they'll have their own inventory that, that they own, right? And so you start being able to make those smarter choices, like I said, on postage, efficiency, um, ultimately serving the customer better. Serving better and operating more efficient. Win-win. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so much, EJ, for the time today. I've really enjoyed learning about Feature and how they've been able to unlock growth and the challenges that your business has faced and been able to overcome. Um, if you want to follow Feature, you can find them at Feature.com or at Feature on Twitter, Instagram, and now as we have learned, Discord. Um, if you want to learn more about how your business can grow like Feature has, Deposco has a new growth guide out called Actioning Stores for Anywhere Inventory Management, now available on deposco.com. I'm Karina Wingle, and I'll look forward to seeing you next time on Bright Perspective. Thanks for joining.